Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park In Colorado, you can legally gamble in Blackhawk, Central City, Cripple Creek, and licensed online sports betting. Protect our communities. Learn more at playlegitco.com. A message from the Colorado Division of Gaming. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody. Episode 41 of the Announcer Schedule Podcast. We are live. It's a Thursday afternoon as we're getting you ready for all the big calls. The Sweet 16 starts back up if you're listening tonight. We've got the weekend. We had a great week of the NCAA tournament, the World Baseball Classic. Before we get started, I want to remind you, we are a part of Last Word on Sports. You get three podcasts for the price of one free. All we ask you to do is kindly like, rate, review, subscribe. Five-star ratings are always recommended. You can check us out on Last Word on Sports. Tell me a story I don't know, George Offman, and Last Word on Sports Media with T.J. Reeves. Talking sports media here on the Announcer Schedules podcast, we talk announcers. Holy moly, good to be back. I had a week vacation. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Phil DeMont Mollen, he is the face, the voice behind the Twitter handle, at Announcer Skeds. It's been a, uh, a two weeks since I saw you, Phil. A lot has happened. I saw met a couple of uh, listeners of the podcast. 
uh, why we did that MAC championship game. So people are listening. That's nice to see. How are you? Doing great. Great to have you back, uh, Mike. Uh, how was the vacation? Vacation was good. I was down in Clearwater Beach uh, checking in on the Phillies, and I went to a Blue Jays game over in Dunedin, watched a lot of NCAA basketball. So, you know, it's back to reality, back to the podcast world, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, wow, what a time to come back and to us to sort of reenter as far as all that's going on so much with March Madness, of course, World Baseball Classic. I mean, what an event that turned out to be. And then uh, we're going to also offer an interview later in the show. Uh, TJ Reeves, who, you know, kindly was the guest substitute host for you last week while you're on vacation. Mike, uh, he and I did an interview with Brandon Van Lingen, who called that dramatic Miami upset over Indiana on the women's side. So a lot to get into, a lot happening across the world of sports broadcasting, obviously. And, you know, March Madness, I mean, how much fun has this been? That's right. Let's dive right into it. How much fun? Take a listen. Bogart's out there along the center for the best free throw shoot. Clark in a straight All right, uh, Kevin Harlan, CBS, Dan Bonner, and Stan Van Gundy, who, by the way, Van Gundy commented on the next game. Hey, that's the first college game I got in this tournament. I get that one. Harlan has since said he's a little embarrassed by the video in the call. I thought it was epic. I loved it. I thought the energy was outstanding. I loved him putting the arms out, telling everybody, not a word, everybody. That play deserved it. It was an epic call. Yeah, I would imagine most listeners of this podcast have already seen the the video. It, it certainly went viral. And, you know, I think fans really, really enjoy seeing these views from the booth. But what a moment and what a, um, you know, we've talked about Harlan before, you know, a master class once again on how to handle these big moments. And you can actually see the visual of how to handle that big moment. And he's so demonstrative. And then the reactions from Bonner, who, by the way, you know, we've talked about this as well. Yeah, I don't think. By any means, there's any sort of bias, especially with a, a broadcaster like Dan Bonner who's been around all these years. But he's a University of Virginia guy. And then Stan Van Gundy, like you said, you know, this this entree into the college basketball uh, broadcasting world. And then the look on his face. There's even a Where's Waldo moment in the background where we can see our very own TJ Reeves, who was on site, which is kind of funny if you look closely there. But as far as, you know, Kevin Harlan goes, what a lesson on how to handle these big moments. And, you know, he wanted to make sure that his analysts were, were laying out for him right there. And, you know, he, he put up his arms and so forth. And, you know, it just kind of amazing that video. It certainly has gotten a, a huge reaction. I can kind of understand what Kev, where Kevin Harlan's going. You know, he cited Westwood One, how it's their policy not to produce any of those, you know, in booth uh you know, shots and that kind of thing. But at the same time, this is such a valuable uh, piece of information and so forth for especially aspiring broadcasters. But I think the public too, to appreciate what these broadcasters do. Yeah. Harlan Van Gundy Bonner on that call. Then we had Andrew Catalan, who maybe just upped his stock for next year's NCAA tournament, because as we know, Jim Nance is moving on. 
Ian Eagle will take over the number one chair, Phil. So that means there's a chair open uh, to maybe get that second weekend, that next round of games. And Andrew Catalan may have moved up the depth chart. Moore, straightaway three. It's good! FDU, believe it! For just the second time ever, a 16 beats a one. Here's Boyd, five seconds left. Boyd drives, scores! With 2.5! Lomax at midcourt. McCadden doesn't get it off! And the Owls win it! There's Andrew Catalan. Uh, March Madness, he gets two for the price of one. In one day, he gets two great games. One, maybe the biggest upset we've ever seen. Yeah, and, you know, we had Andrew Catalan on our podcast as one of our, our first guests way back last summer. If folks want to look back into the archives and give that a re-listen. You know, his partners, Steve Lapis, the two of them have called hundreds of games together. You know, a lot of these play-by-play and analyst combinations that we see in college basketball, they sort of fluctuate a bit. And, you know, there's some some familiarity with some of the, the teams, but a lot of times, you know, from year to year, the play-by-player and the analyst might rotate uh, around and that kind of thing. But these two have been together for years, and they've really cemented chemistry between the two of them. And uh, I think Catalan nailed it. Um, there's a story on jerseysportingnews.com by a, a friend of mine, David Tratner, who is covering sports media in your neck of the world, uh, Mike, in, in, in the New Jersey area. And he was able to catch up with Andrew the day after that call, and they were able to exchange notes and so forth. And Andrew revealed that, you know, he came up with that, um, you know, that signature call about FDU during the game. You know, there was a couple uh, text exchanges with some buddies of his, and he kind of came up with it and wrote it down. And, you know, it's kind of cool to hear behind the curtain how somebody comes up with a signature call like that. The other note in terms of, you know, Andrew Catalan, we not only heard the FDU call, but that FAU call was that night as well. And they, this team, I thought they were outstanding. Catalan, Lapis, and Erdahl not only performed well throughout the first and second rounds, but also were blessed with some amazing games. You know, obviously the, these upsets, but then they had some real personality and some great moments with Jamie Erdahl, the sideline reporter, who, by the way, you know, hasn't done as much sideline reporting, if any, you know, up this season, up to this point, because she's now the host of Good Morning Football over on NFL Network. So, you know, it was cool to see Erdahl back in the mix. She had some big moments. She became a star of the first and second round of the, the tournaments. Obviously, she's a big name already. But, you know, if, if you were to, you know, hand out, you know, awards as far as who stood out, she would probably, you know, be the sideline reporter because she covered the, the big upsets, but also had these big moments with Tom Izzo and Shaka Smart, you know, that were really compelling also. So just great work by that team. Uh, they were the one that um, I enjoyed listening to as much as any. Uh, Catalan, Lapis, and Erdahl, um, great stuff. And, and like you said, Mike, it'll be interesting because, you know, there will be a little bit of musical chairs going on with these yeah. NCAA tournament uh, pairings next well, year as Jim Nance steps away. Ian Eagle moves up to that number one team, and, and things shift around a bit from there. By the way, J.B. Erdahl had one of the moments of the whole tournament when John L. Davis uh, used profanity on TV, and she said, that's all right. We're on true TV, man. She handled it great. Uh, and she also had that great piece on the student um, director of athletics of media at uh, FDU. They don't have someone that's 
you know, a full time on that job. They have a junior student by the name of Jordan Sarnoff, and she did. She uncovered that and did a piece on that, and that was another great moment of the tournament. But, uh, yeah, Jamie Erdahl, for you good morning football fans, she did a great job there. Now let's talk a little bit about these musical chairs. Go ahead. Well, one sec, Mike. I do want to touch on the, the sports information director at Fairleigh Dickinson because um, folks might know that, you know, I'm a sports information director. I'm at a, a Division three institution here in the mountains of Western North Carolina, Brevard College. I've been in the sports information world most of my career. I'm a member of the, you know, the, the, our industry organization and all those kind of things. The piece on Jordan Sarnoff, just for, for, so people have the background. At 12 years old, he attended the Iron Eagle sports broadcasting camp, got to know Iron Eagle. He later met Mets PR, um, kind of a legendary uh, figure, Jay Horowitz, and, you know, kind of got this dream going that he wanted to work in sports PR. Approached Fairleigh Dickinson when he was a high school senior, started working in the office and has built his way up from there. He's done an outstanding job by all accounts. Everything I've heard is that he is just absolutely crushing it in terms of a sports information director at this young age as a junior in college. That being said, this is a touchy subject when it comes to us who are sports information directors, because a lot of the budgets have shrunk in our, you know, a lot of places are, are, you know, um, hamstrung in terms of budgets, in terms of resources, in terms of these sorts of things with sports information departments. And a lot of them are one man shops and a lot of them have zero support. So Honestly, like, I don't know if this is the best thing to be promoting. It's obviously a, a, a great story and so forth, but it hurts the industry that I'm involved in because it tells athletic directors who might not have a clear perspective on the value of sports information directors and also other higher ups that, hey, we can get away with a student and don't need anyone with any experience in these important roles of sports information director. Nothing against Sarnoff. He's yeah. kicking butt, but a school going to the NCAA tournament should have a veteran sports information director or at least a full-time staff of some sort supporting the team and all the media that's going on. So I just had to sound off on that for a moment, Mike. Uh, I appreciate you bringing up the story, but I wanted to bring that perspective into it because what's happening within my industry, a lot of people are saying, hey, whoa, 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 pump the brakes here. You know, the last thing we need to plant in people's mind is that, hey, you can get away with a student in these roles and let's slash some more budget, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, it's it's been a a um, a dying profession in a lot of ways. A lot of great sports information directors have literally left the business because of budgets, because of work-life balance thing and that kind of thing. And it's not what it used to be. And so I just want to put up a caution flag when it comes to celebrating, you know, this story at FDU. I, I don't, you know, um, judge anybody from, from for bringing it up. It obviously is a compelling story, but I think this part of it needs to be told as well. Well said. Uh, yes, obviously. And look, FDU, a commuter school, much smaller, obviously, uh, day-to-day sports operations, travel, a lot less media request. They happen to get bombarded with requests for three days, not <laughs> 12 months. That's a big difference in the job right there that a lot of these SIDs, uh, I've dealt with a lot of SIDs. They do a lot of stuff, a lot of day-to-day, not to mention getting the notes together, getting all the um, you know preseason 
you know, putting those media guides together, getting all the stats, putting them all up, handing them out to everybody. It is a big undertaking. And yeah, that's a job. And covering every sport that every college offers, not just, you know, college hoops or, or college football or what have you. So it's a, it's a handful. It's a, it's a huge undertaking for any of these departments. And, you know, I, I just want to speak up for, for sports information departments everywhere that, Hey, invest in sports information departments. If you're a, a, an athletic director or a school president or something, because it's going to, it's going to pay dividends, especially when the school has an opportunity like this, you know, you could be beat, the, the the more PR people you have beating your drum, you know, the more publicity you're going to get and the more those admissions are going to rise at places like FDU. All right. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about these musical chairs. This weekend, uh, we got Thursday, Friday, Sweet 16. Then this weekend, we have the Elite Eight on Saturday, Sunday. But we know Ian Eagle is moving into the number one chair. So the question will be, he has been in that number one chair uh, or, excuse me, Ian Eagle has been in that chair with Jim Spinarkle for as long as I can remember. So, when Ian Eagle moves to the number one chair, what happens to that Jim Spinarkle pairing, I guess, will be the big question, and who gets that second weekend of games? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I haven't seen an announcement officially yet who the, the number one crew is going to be. So, I think, first and foremost, we're not 100% sure it's going to necessarily be Eagle, Raftery, Hill, you know, like we've seen with Nance, Raftery, and Hill. So I think that's piece number one of the puzzle we we need to make sure of. And then you're right, you know, like certainly Andrew Catalan would be someone who would make a lot of sense as far as bumping up. You know, the elite eight eight pairings, the the play-by-players are Brian Anderson, Kevin Harlan, Ian Eagle, and Jim Nance currently. So, we need one more, you know, as far as that slot goes, assuming Anderson and Harlan continue on, which you, you would imagine would be the case. And, you know, it's guys, if you were to look at the, those names you were reading off as term, terms of who worked these first and second rounds, it's guys like Nestler, Catalan, Lisa Byington, and Spiro Didis would be like, you know, just the, the sort of, you know, incumbents who would be uh, possibilities here. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this all kind of works its way out. You know, Catalan's been together with Lapis for a long time, as we mentioned. And as you mentioned, Eagle and Spinarkle have been together, you know, for a long, long time. So it'll be interesting how this all shakes itself out. And, um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's kind of maybe a little too early to say. I think first and foremost, we need to learn, you know, who that number one team is definitively is going to be, you know, whether indeed it will be Raftery and Hill with, with Eagle. Right. Um, that will be interesting. You know, if they just move Ian into that spot with Rafferty and Hill, then Jim Spinarkle kind of needs a new partner, and he's been working with Eagle for as long as I can remember. So what happens in that spot? Does he stay in that spot, uh, or do they just keep a team together and move that team together? That, I guess, would be the next question right do they want to keep Jim Spinarkle in that spot on that second weekend and just give him a new play-by-player or do they want to bring a new play-by-play tandem analyst and move Spinarkle and I almost want to say I don't want to say demote him but move him back to that first weekend that'll be really a decision that CBS and um what are they called Warner Sports or Whatever the heck they're called now, Turner. Yeah, Turner. Warner Brothers Discovery, and and I think you know Spinarkle, you know, following 
you know, the, the entire college basketball season does work with quite a few partners beyond Ian Eagle, yes. you know, because he works a lot of regular season games as well. So he, he's certainly adaptable to whoever, you know, they, they end up using. Um, but yeah, it's going to, going to be interesting. Right. You know, there, he might be adaptable. A- That's not the question. I'm sure he could, but the question is, do they just want to keep a pairing and just move them into a new spot? Yeah. And, and because and, now I if mean, you do, if you do, if you change, let's say they put Andrew Catalan with Jim Spinarco, well, now you need a new play by player for Steve Lapis. If you're taking that from someplace else, then you're going to need a new play by player for that. This is the old, hey, if I just take one team and move them, I only need to change one spot and give Spinarco a partner. Yeah. So that will be something pretty interesting. But there's your schedule for the weekend. Starting tonight, we're recording on Thursday. Brian Anderson, Jim Jackson, Allie the Fourth. Westwood One, Gary Cohen, John Crispin, CBS, Kevin Harlan, Dan Bonner, Stan Van Gundy, Lauren Shahadi on the sidelines, Ryan Radke, PJ Carlissimo. On Friday, it's Eagle, Spinarkle, Evan Washburn on the sideline, Tom McCarthy, former guest of the show, Jordan Cornette on Westwood One, Jim Nance, Rafferty, Hill, Wolfson, and then Kevin Kugler, another former guest of our podcast. Go and check those back in the archives with Robbie Hummel are doing that game um, on Westwood One Radio. So, there's the tournament. The tournament's been great. Down the stretch we come. By the way, the final season for Jim Nance, and we know his Houston ties, the Cougars are still in it. There's been a lot of discussion about will he get to call his alma mater in that final game. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens starting this weekend, you know, um, the team that I, uh, you know, cheer for because of my my background, the Miami Hurricanes taking on Houston. Nance will call that one in Kansas City with Raftery Hill in Wolfson. So we'll see if Houston survives. They would have to get through either Xavier or Texas after that, and then you know, like you said, the opportunity for Nance to to call his his alma mater, which he's he's very loyal to. You know, there yes. seems to always be you know talk of that and in, in his connection with. Houston and so forth. A couple other notes I, I noticed as we we're going through this weekend's uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Uh, Gary Cohen on the the Westwood One call. You know, folks of course know him. You know, as the television voice of the Mets. Uh, he wasn't part of the first and second round Westwood One coverage, and I was kind of wondering uh, why that was. Um, you know, one of our followers and, and listeners pointed out that you know Seton Hall had made the the NIT and Gary is also the the play-by-play radio voice of Seton Hall so that might have been the case there of course he he may have had some Mets television obligations also but bottom line is he'll be on the call with John Crispin for some of that Westwood one coverage from Madison Square Garden all the games at at MSG uh, Thursday and Saturday and uh, then Tom McCarthy as you mentioned you know back with Westwood one he wasn't part of the the first and second round coverage either he was on that first four coverage on on true tv on the tv side so so cool to see him back was he down in clearwater for some games for the phillies in the meantime he does i know today he is not doing the game i think they're moving scott fransky the radio voice to television and cheers a shot out john brazier uh the director of fun and games for the phillies is doing play-by-play on radio today with Tommy Green, the former Phillies 93 pitcher. So uh, that's a completely new radio pairing for the game today um, for the Phillies because they have a split squad game, and I believe the radio team is doing the television broadcast. Gotcha. Yeah, and um, 
you know, Kevin Kugler, Robbie Hummel, as you mentioned, the the other Westwood one pairing, you know, one pairing that was there for the, the first round that, you know, um, you know, I guess I guess their their season's over. Brandon Gauden, uh, who's the newly, you know, um Braves voice. So he'll be shifting over to to baseball, obviously a bit a big opportunity for him as the the new voice of the Braves. He's gonna keep on doing work for for Fox as well. But he was teamed with Steven Bardo um in the games down in Birmingham. And TJ Reeves had a, a great interview with Stephen Bardo um, on the podcast directly before ours, you know, the on um, last word on sports media podcast. And Bardo did, had some great insight as far as, you know, how he got into the broadcasting world as a uh, student athlete, you know, uh, you know, and ultimately a NBA player, you know, for, for um, playing his college ball at Illinois and how he approached ESPN and this kind of thing, really a cool story there, but want to encourage listeners to, to give that a listen. And yeah, I've enjoyed a lot of the Westwood one coverage as I've been driving around and uh, you know, they do such a great job on, on the production side and the voices really, you know, bring any of the action. They have sort of this um, mix feature also online that you could stream, you know, through your car on Bluetooth. That's what I was doing where they sort of toss it around to, to whatever game, um, is heading down the stretch and that kind of thing. Uh, Jason Horowitz is the, the studio host. So good stuff there. And yeah, I can't wait to get this going. It starts tonight. You know, <laughs> we're right back at it with more March Madness. Right. Well, uh, let's transfer then over to baseball. And uh, the WBC kind of stole the baseball world for a couple of days there. And it started uh, last week and it finished up the other night. And Joe Davis, Tuesday night, the WBC final, Japan, USA. Trout's ready. 3-2. He struck him out. Otani strikes out Trout, and Japan's back on top of the baseball world. Got his best slider on the 3 2 pitch. Wow. All right, so you hear the long layout there from Joe Davis and John Smoltz, and Smoltz offers just a small bit of analysis about 20 to 30 seconds later in that call phil yeah you know um we talked about that throughout the show how critical that is for for these big moments you know joe davis ended up calling the semifinals and also the the championship game and you know um kenny albert you know moved into his role for a couple of games over the weekend a couple of the the quarterfinals i believe from uh, Miami and earlier in the World Baseball Classic, Jason Benetti did a couple games before he went over to March Madness coverage for for Westwood One. But yeah, you know Joe Davis has certainly you know um, risen to the occasion as this number one play by player, succeeding uh, Joe Buck 
over at, at Fox. And this World Baseball Classic, what a ton of moments it had and a lot of electricity and, um, yeah, some some certainly some, some great cause to go along with it. And then we had Dave Fleming on the play-by-play for the World Feed. Take a listen. He throws. Trout shakes it. Dave Fleming, that's the world feed there. And, you know, just a quick one there. He got him, uh, you know, swinging on a 3-2 pitch as as, uh, Smoltz kind of, you know, so the drama of here we are, 3-2, bottom of the ninth. uh, And, uh, man, people are talking about this at bat, and these announcers just had an epic moment to describe. Yeah, and, you know, we were able to post the entire at-bat. You know, Fox was able to to clip that out. So uh, folks want to look on the Twitter feed and, and check that out because it is sort of worth watching the, the whole sequence and everything, not just for the, the uh, announcing call, but just the drama of the, the sport itself and the electricity in the air at the venue. Dave Fleming, you know, he got a lot of great response, you know, um, on social media as far as his calls on the on the world feed. Um, a lot of people were, were, were asking me, how do I get to watch this world feed? And, you know, uh, essentially when Fox was, was doing the games that, you know, the world feed, you had to be, you know, in other parts of the world, obviously, you know, places like Canada, uh, you would be able to to catch the world feed in, in English. And Dave Fleming, who, you know, does a, a great job with, with ESPN um, across a number of sports, also is one of the voices of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, he's got just a classic, you know, baseball voice, and I, I think he, he does it masterfully. His partner, by the way, Yonder Alonzo, uh, former Major League Baseball um, star and also um, uh University of Miami product. Uh, he grew up just, you know, uh, a few minutes away from, you know, the the ballpark down there in Little Havana in Miami. So kind of cool that he got to do all these games with with Fleming. A couple of them were actually aired on FS1. If you're wondering why 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 that was, it was it was basically again like if Fox wasn't, you know, doing the broadcast themselves, they would use the the world feed and on those games that were were broadcast over FS1. But, um, you know, great call from both Joe Davis and Dave Fleming of, of a moment that has really propelled, I think, the World Baseball Classic into what's going to be, you know, a must-see big-time event. It, it just continues to grow each time around. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, it was a big time event in Japan. Here's how they called it on their feed in Japan. So there you go. Obviously, uh, in Japan, that's how they called it. And this is their third WBC championship. So uh, a big one for them. The Americans were the defending champions. I don't think you can understate how popular the sport of baseball is in Japan. And, you know, that obviously contributes to not only their success, you know, on the field, um, but uh, certainly the excitement, you know, with the broadcasters and, you know, with the the fans of that Japanese team. Yes, and uh, obviously, by the way, quick baseball note. I don't know if you saw this one uh, out there to the people, but uh, we're talking about broadcasters and everything, and you talked about everybody's schedules all over the place. How about Roger Clements going to join ESPN's national broadcast opening night when the Astros host the White Sox because – uh, Dave Cohn is going to be doing the uh, Yankees opener, and so Cohn will not be on the broadcast. They're bringing in the Rocket, Roger Clements, for a spe- as a special game analyst. 
uh, for opening night. Astros and White Sox. He's going to be with Carl Ravitch and Eduardo Perez and Buster Olney, and that is at March 30th, a week from tonight. So Dave Cohn uh, will be working the Yankees opener on yes. So they're bringing in the Rocket, Roger Clemens, my favorite player of all time. Wow, I did not know that about your your love of Clemens. But, you know, it, as far as it, that announcement goes, you know, the ESPN cited his work with the K-Rod cast, if you remember that last year, that they're going to be bringing back this year with Michael K and Alex Rodriguez. That K and Rodriguez are going to do some some additional games a, as well beyond the, the K-Rod cast this season. But uh, they mentioned that they were impressed when, when Clemens came on to, to that show last year and, you know, thought this would be a, a good fit and obviously, you know, fill in a void there as far as, you know, uh, David Cohn and all that he's juggling as well. Yep. And uh, by the way, Michael K the voice of the Yankees, there was a lot of speculation that he was going to leave his role as a sports talk radio host in New York. He's the host of the Michael K show on 98.7 uh, ESPN in New York. He announced a new two-year contract, so he is staying on board to be a uh, his afternoon drive show, so he'll continue in that role as well. All right, uh, we're going to have an uh, interview coming up. TJ and Phil uh, talk to... Uh, women's broadcaster Brenda Van Langen, and that's going to be coming up in just a couple of minutes here. But first, before we get to that, let's uh, take a look at the NCAA Women's Tournament because their Sweet 16 and Elite 8 is this weekend. Yeah, so we're heading into the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 on the women's side as well. Um, a lot of familiar names, especially if you, you watch college basketball throughout the regular season. You know, there's a regional going on down in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Courtney Lyle, Caroline Peck, and Brooke Weisbrod on the call there. Um, and actually, there's a second ESPN crew down there in Greenville as well, with it, which is Beth Moens, Debbie Antonelli, and Angel Gray. What's interesting about Debbie Antonelli, you know, she called the men's tournament in the first and second round on television with Spiro Didis as her partner. Um, the games happening up in Albany, New York. She'll now head to Greenville, South Carolina, and she's doing – double duty on these Greenville games where she, the games that she's not calling for ESPN, she's doing those for Westwood one with Jason Ross um, as her play-by-player there out in Seattle, Pam Ward, Stephanie White, uh, Holly Rowe reporting. Um, I got the chance to work with Pam Ward and Stephanie White this past weekend at the re at the first and second round games in Knoxville, Tennessee. That was cool for me to be on site for a women's NCA uh, first and second round and kind of get the feel of that. Um, other crews include Ryan Rucco, uh, Rebecca Lobo and Andrea Carter also up there in Seattle. So it'll be interesting as far as how all this goes down and uh, we'll continue to watch the women's tournament as well, which has brought us some, some great moments already in its first couple rounds also yes uh some really big moments and you guys got a chance to catch up with one of the voices of that big moment let's take a listen to that moment before we introduce our guest brenda van lengen here we go
Okay, that was Brenda Van Langen on the call. And TJ Reeves and Phil DeMont Mollen catch up with her in this conversation on this week's edition of the Announcer Schedules podcast. Stick around. Phil and I will be back on the other side. We've got a nice Willis Reed tribute for you guys, but stick around after the conversation. Phil and I will be back on this week's edition of the Announcer Schedules podcast. Well, it is a special conversation here on the Announcer Schedules podcast. I'm TJ Reeves hanging here with Phil DeMont Mullen, and it is our pleasure to welcome in. She was right off the call in the women's NCAA tournament of the Miami upset over Indiana in Bloomington earlier this week on the ESPN family of networks. Uh, but Brenda Van Lingen is right here right now on the announcer schedules podcast. I guess the first thing is it's been a couple of days. Has it sunk in that you called and we watched what you called and what we watched with Miami pulling that upset against the number one seed. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this. Yeah, it, it, I, yeah, I guess it sunk in. I mean, uh, I've gone back and, and watched uh, most of the game again and just thought about it and how exciting that it was on all the network morning shows, uh, the finish of our game. It was just an incredible game. The effort by Miami was incredible, and Indiana had so many cho- uh, chances. It's, it's just uh, amazing to go back and look at what happened. Phil, uh, Phil and I both love diving into this part, and I do a lot of play-by-play. At what point are you grasping Miami can maybe do this, and then you've got a crazy sequence at the end of the game where Miami scores for the lead and Indiana doesn't have a timeout. Take us through the process of Miami could do this, Miami may be about to do this, and you're having to call it while it happens on the fly. Yeah, it it was such an interesting game because in the first round Miami had not played well in the first half and came through and outscored Oklahoma State in the second half to win the game and so I talked about that a lot on the first part of the Indiana game because they got a great start against Indiana and they really had the Hoosiers on their heels the whole game and I the whole time I felt like Indiana was going to come back at any time and then they made that run in the third quarter but they never could in the third quarter tie it and they never went ahead. And so early in the fourth quarter, uh, I, at a timeout, I actually wrote down what I wanted to say at the end of the game, if Miami would pull off the upset, because I find that helps me make sure I'm focused and, and say what I want to say. Uh, so I had written it down with about what, what at one of the early media timeouts in the fourth quarter, just in case, and and then I kept bringing it up in the broadcast that Indiana still hasn't pulled ahead. Now they tied it. They couldn't hit a free throw to go ahead. And then they were down one several times and never could take the lead. So I, I know that's such a mental part of the game. And I I feel like Indiana just was struggling. But then in answer to your question, when Indiana ties it, with the big three. And then they had an opportunity to go ahead after the missed free throws and then they miss it. And then the free throws by Miami. I mean, there were so many things that happened in the last minute of that game. It was crazy. And then Garzone hits the step back three to tie it with 6.6 seconds remaining. And you're thinking we could go to overtime, but that's still a lot of time for Miami. And will Indiana get a stop? And so Miami inbounds it, 
the the score Harden scores it in the paint. I look at the clock, it's 3.3 seconds remaining. Earlier this year, I had a game where Vandy came all the way back against Arkansas and Vandy tied it. And with almost the exact same amount of time, Arkansas drove down the court and banked in a three and won the game. So it was almost the exact scenario that I had had earlier. I looked, I reminded that there were no timeouts left for Indiana, followed uh, Moore McNeil down the court. Looked like she had a path on the right side. She went on the left. The ball was stolen away, and the upset happened. Another number one went down in the second round, and Miami pulled off the upset. So it was just a a remarkable set of sequences uh, in, in the last really 30 seconds or so of that game. Yeah, and Brenda, you, you mentioned writing yourself that note during one of the breaks. You know, your analysts alongside you, Holly Warlick, and then, you know, of course, you're in communication with the truck and the, the producer and so forth. You know, can you tell take us even further as far as perhaps during the breaks and these moments where you guys can game plan a bit, what that was like those last few minutes? Uh, yeah, let me think through a little bit. I, I, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure that all the storylines are covered, uh, that we've hit everything. Um, you know, I don't know if we even really talked about specifically what if Miami <laughs> wins this game. Uh, we, we kind of set aside a couple of things that we were thinking about doing because the game was too good. Um, you know, the Cavender twins have this incredible social media presence and uh, we were going to do kind of a fun uh, spoof on that, that they, you know, that Holly and I on our social media presence were gaining on them. You know, we have 824 between us and Holly has one and I have 823. <laughs> we're going to do something fun with that. But we didn't do that because the game was too good. And um, so, you know, we talked more about those things and just the actual statistics that were happening and and I just mentioned I you know Holly and I were talking about the fact that it's such a mental thing that if a team comes back and can't take the lead it just gets harder and harder throughout the game so I I think that's mainly what we discussed in the in the breaks and Brenda if we can take it a you know more big picture um in full disclosure, I'm a Miami guy all the way around. Like I grew up a Miami fan. <laughs> I got to work in the sports information office in the late nineties actually was the women's basketball contact for a year with coach Fern Labadi, if you remember her. I do. And, you know, when I think about women's basketball and when I was kind of working with it closely back then, the sport has grown so much I mean, in, in so many ways, as far as, you know, the attention it gets, the resources it gets and so forth. And I'm sure we can, we can tackle that from a, you know, a big picture level. But what I'd like to ask you is as a broadcaster, the resources, you know, compared to when you started in television covering women's basketball and sort of, you know, maybe it was an afterthought of sorts back then for a lot of folks, but what it's become today in the resources that are coming your way, I'm sure, I know we're not, completely there yet but we've come a long way yeah yeah it's so exciting the very first year that I called an NCAA tournament game was in 1996 uh it was my first year out of coaching and um I had done three games for Nebraska Public Television that's how I got my start and that was the year before the Big 12 was formed and so Texas was placed in Lawrence Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse the first round games were not televised. 
Um, but ESPN reached out to Kansas and said, if Texas and Kansas both advanced to the second round, could you have a local production crew broadcast the game and will cut in from the national feed? And so that's how I got on my first NCAA tournament broadcast was Texas and Kansas did both advance. Uh, we did it at the, I think it was called ESPN regional at the time, uh, did a ESPN regional broadcast of the game. And near the end of the game, Robin Roberts was still in the studio and she cut out to the site and I, I made my national appearance on the NCAA tournament on my fourth game that I ever broadcast, Wow! Uh, you know, and I, but I was only on nationally for probably like five minutes, but it was a really good game itself. So over the years, we got to you know, stop you on that. You got to have a moment reflecting on that going, is this really happening? That's Robin Roberts from ESPN throwing this to me to call the game. When you reflect on that, reflect a little more. It, it, I mean, I was so nervous and juiced and I remember my heart just pounding in my chest and it was such a cool thing. We at the, so at the time, we couldn't hear the throw, but we knew they were throwing. The funny thing about that, the other story is uh, she mispronounced my name um, because, uh, you know, for whatever reason, she didn't get the right pronunciation. And uh, all my friends laughed at me and joked with me afterwards because she introduced us and said, hey, we're going out to Allen Fieldhouse, a great game between Texas and Kansas, Dave Armstrong and Brenda Von Longen. And so <laughs> for a long time, so a lot of my friends called me Brenda Von Longen because that's how I got introduced on my first uh, throw, uh, my first toss in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, but it was it was amazing. And I know I was speaking 100 miles a minute uh, in that game. Just I was the analyst and, uh, you know, Dave Armstrong was a pro. And and so I was like jumping in, trying to say all this stuff. I, I know I was kind of crazy, uh, excited and nervous in that game. But over the years, you know, they didn't bro start broadcasting the first round games for quite a while. I think when I got back and did some games in 99, 2000, 2001, we just did second round games at that point. And then there were a few years where they moved um, eight teams to a site in the first and second rounds. And so you had to prepare for eight teams and all those games at one site. And then, you know, when we finally, a few years ago, got all of the games televised. So a few, you know, then the evolution was a few were streamed and then, uh, and then ultimately, or, or they cut in, um, they televised them at the same time, but you didn't see nationally all the games you just saw cut-ins or if you were in your regional area, you saw it, right? That was kind of that next evolution. And then now, finally, the last couple of years, all of the games are on national television. So, you know, that's that's been terrific to see. Good good producers. They still do some Remy productions, which means the producers aren't on site, and that always causes some challenges. Uh, but it's it's certainly grown a lot in, in all the years. It's my 28th year of uh, broadcasting. Wow. I don't know that Phil knows this, but watch this, Brenda. Young TJ was the student play-by-play -play person at then Memphis State. Phil, I don't know that you and I have talked about this at any point off the year, much less on announcer schedules, podcast, etc. So I was the radio guy, and you may remember this name, Brenda. Mary Lou Johns was the longtime Memphis State coach, a 500-game winner at yeah. Memphis State, and Phil's nodding along too. So I cut my teeth in the women's game 30-plus years ago as well, around the time of your playing career, and it has come light years forward in terms of interest, in terms of technology. Another thing that Phil and I, and I think the audience will be interested in, you mentioned being an analyst, 
and your background of being a player and being a coach, you've now transitioned to being a play-by-play person. That's not the easiest thing to do. How have you found that? How much more comfortable have you gotten? What's the difference in the role in lightness some on that? Yeah, and I still do both. Um, I probably did about 30 games play-by-play this year and about 15 as an analyst. So, you know, in the course of the same year, um, depends on what network I'm working for, what role I play. So I was an analyst uh, out of my coaching career for the first probably 15 years or so and um, love breaking down the X's and O's, describing the stories, elevating women's sports, just absolutely loved it. And then I was asked by several different networks, what I consider doing play-by-play. And at first I was like, no, no way, <laughs> no way. I don't have training on that. Not, not really, not comfortable. And um, I did a few smaller tournaments, like a, an island tournament where I did both. So it kind of gave me the chance to do play-by-play and analyst combined. And so then I started um, around 2000 eight or nine or 10, somewhere in there. And I started doing play-by-play for Fox Sports because I was on the Big 12 package, but they wanted to get me more games. And they said, we can get you more games if you're the play-by-play announcer. So, I mean, I really learned on the fly. And and um, I remember the first game, it was Cal and Texas A&M, not two small teams, not two small universities. And that was my first national play-by-play. And uh, the ball goes up and I'm like, Oh, wait, I think I'm supposed to be talking now. (laughs) (laughs) And so it took me time. uh, And and after three years, Fox Sports said, you know what, we'd rather have you be go back to being the analyst. And at the same time, ESPN said, oh, you do play by play. And so at that time, I shifted. That was about 10 years ago. And so since then, I've done an all play by play for ESPN and any other, whether it's Fox Sports or Big Ten Network or any third tier games, uh, I do. I'm the analyst. And and so they're very different. They're the preparation's different. I always say my brain has to think completely differently when I'm in each role. Uh, when I'm the analyst, I can sit back, observe, uh, watch things develop, um, predict how they're going to develop, break down the X's and O's. As a former player and coach, I love it. Uh, I, I also say being a play-by-play announcer for me is work. Being an analyst is fun. So play-by-play, uh, play, you have to be on top of things. You have to know the the score, the fouls, the situation, the setup. You say what is happening. De- describe you you describe what is happening, and the analyst describes the how and the why. And um, and so it, it's a completely different mindset. And honestly, it's been a real challenge for me over the years. And I feel like in the last few years, I'm just kind of coming into my own as a play-by-play announcer. I'm not a traditional play-by-play announcer. I don't think I sound like any play-by-play announcers out there that are like classically trained in it. I'm a former analyst and coach that's now a play-by-play. And I try to bring those strengths to my role um, and not be an analyst, but try to set up my analyst uh, in ways that I know will be helpful to them. I've been assigned a lot of rookies uh, to work with in the broadcasting field. Uh, I've worked with um, Candace Parker in one of her very first games on TV, Asia Wilson, who, you know, won with the the aces in the WNBA. I did one of her first games, Andrea Carter, who is now a big star for ESPN. I was with her on her very first games, uh, Holly Warlick, who's just out of coaching and, and has never done broadcasting. So I've broken in a lot of people 
into the broadcast field and uh, being play-by-play has allowed me to work with some incredible talent in, in this field. Awesome stuff. Really commend you, Brenda, for for stepping into that play-by-play role as well. You know, you mentioned Dave Armstrong. When you think back to the partners that you worked with, the play-by-players you worked with when you were an analyst over the years, are there some that come to mind as far as you sort of taking some maybe tips of the trade from them or, you know, kind of saying, hey, I remember when such and such, you know, and and how he prepared or how she prepared and, and, and approached the game? Absolutely. Thank you for asking that. Yes, Dave Armstrong was one of my first in that setting. Kevin Kugler, who a lot of people know, he and I got our starts basically together at Nebraska Public Television. So it's so fun to see what he's done. Bill Dolman also back at uh, Nebraska Public Television. But when I got onto the uh, the Fox Sports Package, Bill Land, who now does all the games for the San Antonio Spurs and was a, um, you know, a legend really, uh, in television. I learned so much from Bill about, because I was the rookie working with him and he really guided me, helping me set up the games. And, and I always noticed how, when I would say something, he would back me up with stats or he would, um, he would bookend it with things that kind of didn't just leave my comment hanging in the air, but he would kind of close, you know, bookend it. And I just was always appreciative of that. And that was something that I always had in mind. I work with uh, Kevin Eschenfelder, who also does uh, Houston Astros games. And then most recently uh, with Ron Thulin, who he and I uh, worked together for 10 years on Fox Sports. And um, he, he, uh, he's the best. Uh, I just love Ron to death. His preparation um, is unequaled. Uh, as far as he prepares for games and how he sets up his analyst. And he just is a, a tremendous talent and a great friend. And I really miss, really miss working with him. And, you know, right after the Big 12 championship ended and I called the Iowa State Big 12 championship title game, he was the first one to text me and said, you nailed it. You did a great job. And uh, I just, I miss working with him. I learned so much from him and he's still working hard at it. And uh Uh, Thank you for asking me. I've worked with a lot of really good play-by-play guys. This has been fantastic stuff, Brenda. We love getting to know more about broadcasters, their stories. Again, you're a a former star player. You've been an administrator. Now you're in the role as an analyst. And again, I say to the audience, people think the play-by-play part of it is easy. And Brenda's (laughs) nodding along until you start trying to grasp what all you have to grasp to call a game uh, on on television, much less call it on radio where they allegedly can't see what's going on and you're having to call it. So bravo to you. Uh, bravo for the job that you did the other night. And the drama continues now this weekend with the women's tournament, right? Turn it up another notch or two because they've had fantastic finishes over and over again in the Final Four and championship games. Why do I get the feeling we're going to get much of the same Elite Eight Final Four title game, right? Get ready. I, I think so. I mean, two number one seeds have already been eliminated. So uh, I think there's I think there's a lot of parity in the game. I definitely think it's South Carolina's to to lose at this point. But, you know, they've had a lot of teams that have pushed them, at least in the first halves. And they have to shoot well and, and wear teams down with their their depth and their uh, great a, a variety, diversity of talents. Uh, so I think it's theirs to lose. But I, I think there's still some big, uh, big games and big moments and finishes to come up. And Brenda, what's coming up next for you 
personally. You know, yeah, of course, in off season, I'm sure there's there's chances to to recharge the batteries, hopefully. But you know, tell us what's on deck for you. Well, I have been working on a documentary series for the last couple of years called "If Not for Them." And it's the story of those that built the foundation for college women's basketball. If not for them, we would not have what we do today. And so over the last couple of years, I've raised money to conduct over 100 interviews across the country, interviewing women that played and coached and were administrators in the 50s, 60s, and 70s before uh, the NCAA took over and those that had to battle the early battles of Title IX. And um, after those, after I completed those interviews last fall, uh, I started putting together a preview of each of the 10 episodes, and we're going to showcase it at the Final Four this year, March 30th in Dallas um, at a, a private viewing, but anybody that's a contributor uh, that goes to ifnotforthem.com and makes a contribution is invited, uh, but we're going to show a, a preview of each of the 10 episodes uh, each of the 10 episodes of uh, that and uh, then try to get a funder for the rest of the project. And I'm really proud of it and I'm really excited about it. So if you get a chance, check out ifnotforthem.com because it's an amazing effort to preserve and share the history of women's basketball, the hidden figures of women's basketball that many people don't know about, have never heard of, or um, have forgotten. And it's it's a great project. So thanks for asking. Love it. Great stuff. Phil, we've enjoyed this uh, with uh, Brenda Van Lingen. Uh, tremendous uh, here on the Announcer Schedules podcast. Anything else in closing, Phil, here for Brenda? No, I, I think it's just fantastic to have you on. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating moving from that analyst to play-by-play role. So that, thank you for you know bringing us behind the curtain there a bit. And <laughs> Hey, what a game you got to call this Indiana Miami <laughs> classic. You know, that's one that that be remembered for a long, long time in the, the women's college basketball ranks. Yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful to have the opportunities that I do. And, you know, it just amazes me sometimes that I've done this for 28 years now and I get the best seat in the house to to tell the stories of these young women and describe what's happening on the court and just to share it and elevate women's basketball. And I appreciate being on your show today to be able to talk about it a little bit. So thanks so much. Brenda, thank you. Great job. Here's more with Mike and Phil now on the Announcer Schedule Podcast. All right, TJ, thanks so much. Great conversation. And boy, uh, she got that call, the upset there. And hey, wrote a great story and everything that Brenda told you guys. I mean, what really was something that stood out, uh, Phil, about that conversation with Brenda? First and foremost, sort of like what we were talking about with Andrew Catalan, you know, that that game, the Miami-Indiana game that we, we listened to the clip of as well, you know, as far as Brenda's process coming up with how she was going to approach the potential upset and her preparing during the, the breaks as far as, you know, um, you know, what she might use in terms of some language uh, when Miami upset Indiana, which was indeed the case. So it was cool to go behind the curtain and learn that process. But also, you know, Brenda's one of these, you know, rare announcers who has done and continues to do both analyst and play-by-play work. You know, she started as as an analyst, did that for, for several years, and then basically was told, you know, by the networks that, hey, we can get you a lot more assignments if you're also able to do play-by-play and we think you can do it. Are you up for the task? And, and she was able to, to take it on and learn the uh, craft of play-by-play announcing as well. And so now she does um, a bit of both. 
you know, depending on the, the, the network that she's working for and depending on the, the pairing and so forth. But, you know, to be able to take on that challenge and to, you know, be able to, you know, um, learn that new role and for her to, you know, be able to explain, you know, just exactly, you know, the differences between analysts and play-by-play work. Uh, she is not afraid to, um, to say that play-by-play uh, work, it feels more like work than, than being an analyst at a game and th- that there's a lot more for her to, to keep track of and, and pay attention to and that kind of thing. But she's done a great job with both and seems to be enjoying both as well. And it was uh, a real thrill to have the chance to talk to her you know, just coming off that big upset win, Miami over Indiana. By the way, those are hiring out there. I do both analysts and play-by-play. <laughs> ah, there you go. There, there it is. Now I heard you guys played a clip did you, of of my call from the MAC championship game on TuneIn Radio. Did you use my play-by-play? Because TJ and I shared roles in that game. Did you use my play-by-play or did you use my color analyst? Yeah, it was it was a play by play clip, Mike. So I'm, I I still need to hear you as a analyst before I can 100 percent endorse you. And I'm sure you did a great job with that as well. All right, uh, did you have a uh, did you have a grade on my play by play? I I I'll tell you, uh, it was a great game. It was a great atmosphere. Uh, Iona Maris, we called the game. TJ and I for TuneIn Radio. Uh, it was a close game, down to about five minutes left in the game, and then Iona kind of pulled away. And uh, Rick Pitino, one of his final games ever at Iona, we got the chance to call it. Pretty cool at Atlantic City's historic boardwalk hall. And we were at that game. But if you want to go to a March Madness game from now to the Final Four or the championship game, use Ticket Smarter for your ticket selections and prices. Download the Ticket Smarter mobile app or go to TicketSmarter.com for tournament selection all the way to the championship game. Well, you've been at all these games where you want to go to support your favorite team. Your purchase is 100% secure through their system with competitive prices on the secondary market. Use our hoops code HOOPS23. You get $50 off your order of $400 or more. These tickets are a little bit more pricey. We're going to give you $50 off if you spend over $400 on tickets. Just use the code Hoops 23 from Ticket Smarter. This March Madness season, think smarter, ticket smarter. Remember, Hoops 23, that's the code. And don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe, leave us a review, and let us know what you think. Five stars are way better than any other stars you could give us. Five stars are definitely the request. That helps out immensely. Uh, If you're listening, just bang that five stars. Give us a review. Let us know what you think, and uh, we do appreciate it. All right, we'll close out. Uh, Willis Reed passed away recently. We continue to uh, have these great giants of the sports world um, pass away in recent weeks here. I feel like we're doing these uh, tributes a lot here on the Announcer Schedules podcast, but Willis, um, a big situation here as many people will always remember Willis Reed walking out of the tunnel as described in game seven of the 1970s finals, Marv Albert. I think we see Willis coming out. Here comes Willis. And the is going wild. Barnett to Reed on the forecourt. Right side from 20. Jumps. Yes. Willis has hit on his first two. He bullets one down. Court that is intercepted by the pusher. Fast break for the next of on the drive. Leads Reed and driving shot is good. The New York, the Democrats have won. 
So hearing Marv do those calls of the great Willis Reed. But how about the pregame? And they're pointing, here comes Willis Reed. They see him coming through. Yeah, what what a moment in in uh, sports broadcasting that was. Obviously, one of the the iconic moments, you know, in the NBA as well. And yeah, Willis Reed. You know, usually we, we're we're paying tribute to the announcers. I I was digging and digging and digging to see if he had ever spent any time broadcasting. I wasn't able to find somebody. Maybe one of our our listeners um, has you know some sort of example of Willis Reed actually being in the booth at some point. But he did spend time in his post playing career. You know, as both a coach and then also you know um general manager spent a lot of time with the, the nets in particular um also was the vp of basketball operations for the hornets for for a couple years when they were um going uh, down in new orleans and yeah hall of famer you know obviously that super iconic call with marv albert um it's it's you know part of um, you know, sports lexicon these days. You know, if, if you remember a few years ago, Chris Collinsworth had one of these sort of iconic calls too, but he was just basically playing off this, you know, when he would, Aaron Rodgers came back onto the field um, during a Sunday night football game and said, hey, this is a this is a Willis Reed moment that we're witnessing here. So even though it was a long time ago, you know, over 50 years ago, that moment, um, it is something that, you know, I think, you know, is generational uh, beyond just, you know, one generation where, you know, people uh, know about that and know who Willis Reed is and so forth. And just a, a big, big legacy there. And, the, you know, the tributes have been pouring in. All right. That'll do it for us. We're going to leave you with uh, how uh, Clyde Walt Frazier and uh, Mike Breen uh, reflected on Willis Reed. We'll kind of let you out on with that conversation on the MSG broadcast the other night. Uh, we'll we'll kind of walk you out with that as we get to the end of this week's edition of the Announcer's Schedule podcast, episode 41 in the books. We drop on Thursday on Last Word on Sports. You can check out Tell Me a Story I Don't Know and the Last Word on Sports media podcast with T.J. Reeves. That is on the feed. Like, rate, review, subscribe, all of the podcasts here on the feed. And uh, we'll be back again next week for Phil. I'm Mike. Here's Mike and Clyde Frazier with Willis Reed passing away. We'll take that to the end, and we'll talk to you next week here on the Announcer Schedule Podcast. What's been the prevailing thought that you've had in the last day? Uh, I just thank God that I got to know Willis Reed. I was a teammate. He's a magnificent person. And, Mike, I've been meandering all day. The joy, the pain, excruciating. Tonight, I'm, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to cry. He was that type of person, folks. He, he made me the guy, the player who I am, and the man that I am off the court as well. What about Willis made you have that, that love and respect that was so deep? Well, his generosity, his honesty. He was just a big country boy with a big heart. Uh, I copied his handwriting. He has an excellent handwriting. I copied his tenacity on the court, always giving 110%. The way he dealt with the media, the fans, all of that I've learned from Willis Reed. Just uh, being around him, he was a magnificent role model for me.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.